Hey everybody, welcome back to the New Community Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb, and today we are starting a new series called Culture Wars. And I'm really excited about this series is we're going to dig into topics like politics, immigration, sanctity of life, if it's legal, is it okay? All of these things are maybe some touchy subjects for some people, but important for us to get into and understand what the Bible has to say about it. And so today we're talking about politics, the role of the church when it comes to government and politics and how we respond in everyday life when it comes to voting and things like that. So tune in today, take some notes because it's going to be a great message and challenging as we continue to live a life that is led by scripture and is honoring to God. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a great Sunday morning, and it is so good to be worshiping with you, everyone that's here, and for everyone joining us online, welcome. We are kicking off a brand new series called Culture Wars, and as you saw in that opening video for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about some very difficult things and looking at things that maybe sometimes in our culture and our society divide us or are difficult to talk about and engage in, and we're going to look at what does Scripture say about these things, and how do we respond as followers of Christ? Like, what is God calling us to do, and how do we engage in what's taking place, these culture wars around us? And so I know it's going to be a great four weeks um, that God's going to challenge us in a lot of different ways, so I want to encourage you, don't miss any of these weeks. And today I want to start just by giving the heart behind the series, and then we'll jump into the message today, Okay. And so as we look at this idea, as we kind of went through this topic of culture wars and what that looks like, um, I first want to start by just saying, hey, we are called in the midst of some of these topics that are very divisive to be people of unity and people of peace. And I want you to hear that, that in this series, we're, we're not trying to stir up animosity, okay? I know these may be difficult topics, but we actually want to look at, hey, God, how are you calling us to have these conversations? What does it look like for us? And how do we bring unity? How do we bring peace in the midst of what's going on around us? God, how do we represent you and the love of Christ to the world around us? And so we don't shy away from these topics. It's not like, well, if we don't avoid them, maybe there's not really a culture war going on. No, we step into them, but we demonstrate the peace of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, even as we're going to see some of these topics differently. I know we are. And so that's what I want us to hear is every week as we approach these different things, God, how do we bring unity in the midst of the division that's going on? God, how do we bring your peace in the midst of difficulty and even disagreements that are happening? And so we want to be people of unity. We want to be people of peace. The second is this. It's that with each of these topics, Scripture shapes our lives. And so with everything we're we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks, We don't get to say, well, this is what I grew up thinking, okay? This is what my parents or my grandparents taught me, and this is the way it's always been in our family, okay? Each of us have, in a way, we've taken our earthly family aside, and we've been adopted into the family of Christ. So now we think differently, and Scripture shapes our lives. And so as we approach all of these topics, it's not what is the media saying, What is culture saying? It's not even what has my experience been, but it's God. What does your word say? 
And how do I get my life, how do you get your life to line up closer with the word of God and to reflect his word better in the midst of the culture wars that are facing us? And so we're going to be people of unity and peace. And we are going to be people who go, we continually go back to scripture and say, God, help my life to reflect yours. And that's our desire in this series of conversations that we're going to have. Let me also say this. I will step on some toes. Okay? Some of you are going to be frustrated at some point, especially if you're here for all four weeks of this series. And here's how I know this. Because God's been stepping on my toes. I mean, we got into our first meeting with um, our teaching team that helps us look at these different messages and scriptures. And I had to just be honest of, hey, I was even just preparing for this first meeting and already God said, hey, you're seeing that wrong. You got to change that, Aaron. You can't go in front of my church and start thinking with that mindset. You have to think differently. And so God's already been stepping on my toes. I promise at some point your toes are going to get stepped on. But once again, we want to continually have our lives reflect the life of Christ more closely. And so we're going to start this first week with this topic here of politics. And before you run to the door or turn off that screen, let me just say this, that I know there's something God wants to challenge you with, and we're going to do our best to look at this idea of how would Jesus vote. If Jesus lived in our time, if he was here with us, how would he vote? Now, I'm not going to give you he would vote for this political party or he would align himself with this person, but we're going to look at how did Jesus engage in this conversation? Did Jesus talk about politics? Did he just ignore it? Like, what was his interactions like? Was there any, even anything political going on in his time? And so we're going to look at scriptures. Politics is so divisive, right? I know it is. Because you avoid that end of the dinner table at Thanksgiving because that uncle or cousin or whoever, brother, sister, they're going to bring up politics and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. This is my Thanksgiving break or I have a few days off from work. And I just want, and so it's so divisive so many times that I want to give you an example of what that looks like or why that is. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I went on YouTube and you can watch old presidential ad campaigns. Don't know if you've ever done this, but let me show you one from the 1950s, okay? This is when President Eisenhower was running for office, and this was a commercial that you would see on TV in the 1950s. I for president, I for president, I for president, I for president. You like Ike, I like Ike, everybody likes Ike. For president, hang out the banner, beat the drum, we'll take Ike to Washington. We don't want John or Dean or Harry, let's do that big job right. Just get a step with the guy that's up, get in step with Ike. So when you see that, I laugh every time I watch that, okay, because that is not like anything we would see on TV, and when I was thinking about it, it's kind of this peppy, right, it's got this feel of like, you like Ike, I like, we all like Ike, isn't this a great guy, and there is that kind of five seconds of, hey, there's three other people running, we don't want them, you know, but this is who we want, we all like Ike, and you get kind of this motivating feeling of like, hey, this is a good guy. This is who you want to serve, you know, as our president for the next four years. You kind of get that idea from watching this commercial. And then you fast forward a few decades. 
And the emotion in our presidential campaign ads are very different. And I couldn't show the video, but I want to give you some screenshots of both parties, okay? So we're going to look at both parties and their ad campaigns. And the first one is, this is an ad campaign against Donald Trump. And it's talking about years ago when he was elected president, he descended to the basement of Trump Tower for his like election celebration speech. And then it goes on, the next screen is, and for the past few years, he's taken America down with him. And you see people dying of COVID. You see the streets on fire and it's rioting. And you get this idea of Trump is trying to destroy our nation. He's out to turn America and just kind of destroy it. And then you see a little kid who, who's suffering some kind of sickness or illness. And Trump has taken away his medical care, his um, pre-existing condition um, of his medical issues. And so Trump has taken away that health care. And how could you possibly want to elect this guy for another four years. And then at the end of it, it comes up, my name is Joe Biden, presidential candidate-elect, and and I endorse this message. And it's not just one-sided, because then a few commercials later, you'll see an ad like this. It's full of emotions. It's a dark house, and there's an elderly lady. Maybe you've seen this in her house late at night, and someone's breaking in. Someone else is getting ready to rob her, maybe physically harm her. She picks up the phone. She dials 911 but she doesn't get a person, she gets an automated message. And the response is, the police will get to you in three to six weeks. And you get this image of Joe Biden doesn't care about this woman's safety. And he's out to harm her, and he's going to defund police. And then an ad of a single mom who's working hard for her two kids, but Joe Biden's going to raise taxes, and he's basically taking money out of her pocket. And then he's made trade deals that have emptied our factories, and so he's taking Americans' jobs. And how could someone that you want to elect as president possibly do this? And then at the end of the commercial, my name is President Donald Trump, and I endorse this message. And you're like, how did we get there in a few decades, you guys? Like, it's not, I like Ike, you like Ike, everybody likes Ike. Now it's, hey, both these people are pretty evil. Just choose which one is a little less evil, right? Like, you got no good choice, people. So maybe, maybe we could somehow make out with the lesser villain, the lesser of two evils, and somehow we're going to make it through another four years until we have to figure this out again. And it's so divisive, like we're against one another, and that's how we tend to live in this political arena. And yet we see Jesus engaging with these conversations and with a similar political culture war during his time, and he responds in a totally different manner. And so I want us to look at this. If you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Luke chapter 20, and we're going to start reading at verse 20. So Luke 20, 20. Or if you're watching online, just click that um, Bible or the scripture tab to the side there and you can get there, Luke 20, 20, or open up another browser and you'll get there. And let me give you a picture of what's going on during this time. Jesus is in a setting like this in the temple and he's doing a teaching. He's been teaching about a number of things and there are these religious and they were also political leaders. So at that time, the religious people were the political leaders of the nation of Israel at that time and they want to trap Jesus. And here's why. Jesus is growing in popularity, which means their polling numbers are going down. Their political future doesn't look that great. Jesus is growing in power, which means these religious and political leaders have less power, and they're trapped in the midst of this culture war. And all they can think is, we can't mess Jesus up. He's a prophet. He's healing people. Everyone loves him. So we have to trap him in some way. And that's what they try to do in Luke chapter 20. This is what it says. So keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. 
They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and the authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They're kind of buttering him up at this point. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This is the punchline. This is the trap, right? Jesus, what are you going to say? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and he said to them, show me a denarius whose image and inscription is on it. Caesar, they replied. And he said, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public. And astonished by his answers, they became silent. They had no way to respond. Now, we're kind of all wanting that, right? Like the great political response where no one can, can say anything else. And, and that's what Jesus does here. But he does it in a totally different manner. And I believe for a totally different reason. And here's what's going on here. Um, as it says right here in the passage, there are these religious and political leaders and they want to trap Jesus. And so they want to get him kind of caught in the middle of this culture war. Jesus, are you for Rome and are you for Caesar or are you for God and for God's people? And that's how they saw it. Are you for Rome and Caesar? Are you for God and for God's people? And what they were saying is, Jesus, are you okay with paying taxes? Like, you're okay being part of this political battle? You're okay with Rome that has come in and oppressed Israel? You're okay with Rome that has taxed Israel to poverty? You're okay with this government that would kind of come against the word of God and scripture? Are you actually okay supporting them? And they thought if Jesus says yes, the people are going to revolt against them. Because there were people listening to Jesus that had known others that were crucified and killed by Roman soldiers, that had had their houses and their businesses burned down, that had been impoverished by the taxes of Rome. And so if Jesus responds, yeah, it's okay to pay taxes, then the people are going to revolt against them. But if he says, no, no, God's over here separate and we got to side with God, we got to side with the people of God, we need to revolt against Rome, then they were going to go to the Roman officials and say, hey, you got to take care of this guy because he's starting a rebellion. He wants to overthrow Caesar. So they thought we've got Jesus right where we want him. And look at what Jesus does. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but he says, do you have a coin? And they do. And so out of their pocket or their money purse or money bag or whatever they had, they pull this coin that is a Roman coin that has the inscription, Caesar is Lord on it. And in that moment, he exposes, hey, you're involved in this culture war too. You're not separate to the side of like, oh, we're righteous, we're godly over here, and we have nothing to do with politics. He says, no, you're caught in the middle of it. You have the actual coin from the Roman government that says Caesar is Lord. You're in this same trap that I'm in. Like you're caught right in the middle of it. You're somehow acknowledging that the Roman government exists and that they have the right to be in political power. But then he doesn't just leave it there with saying, hey, you're involved in this trap too. He says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give unto God's what is God's. Jesus acknowledges, hey, there's some political people in authority. There is a government that is over us. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. And here's the difference. Here's how Jesus sees this differently. And here's the challenge that we have as we look at this. I vote like Jesus when I realize that my faith encompasses politics. My faith encompasses politics. See, this religious leaders, they thought God's over here and Caesar or the Roman Empire, they're over here. We have this image that I want to show you to kind of give you a picture of this. This is what they thought is, hey, I wake up on Sunday mornings and I go to church and that's God. 
and I get up early and I pray for a few minutes and I read my Bible and that's God. But then I live in this real world that is Caesar's. It's the politics. It's this area. And that part, that, that has to do with Caesar. And Jesus is saying, wrong. That's not how you view the world around you. If you're a follower of God, you don't have that mindset. He's saying, foul. Nope, that's not how you view this. He's saying you've been called as the people of God to see this differently, that Caesar does have authority. Caesar has this small part, but look at this. God encompasses everything. And that means when you surrendered your life to God, you surrendered your politics. Do you get that, church? When you surrendered your life to God, you submitted your political party to say, Jesus My faith now interacts with this. It's not off to the side. It's not I try to do this Christian thing, but I've grown up with this political party, so this is what I side with. No, it's now saying, God, I surrender it all. And you've got to speak to me. And you've got to direct me. And you've got to guide me. And it's not what the news media says. It's not what the news outlet says. It's not even what the political campaigns say. But now I surrender everything to you because my faith encompasses politics. You have now the right to speak who I vote for and how I have conversations about politics and how I talk to people about government officials and government leaders in Congress and all of that. Jesus, you now have the right to say something about that. It's not my own. I'm not the director or the guide of my life. See, because my faith encompasses politics now. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Hey, it's not separate. It's not like God over here, Caesar over here, politics over here. And you're trying to kind of bounce between both of them. He's like, no, God encompasses everything. And that means, yeah, you honor Caesar. You give him the part that is his because God's given him authority. But then you realize, God, you're in control of all of that. God, you encompass all of that. And so as I interact with politics, I realize that. What does that mean? It means when you step into a voting booth and you get ready to mark a ballot, however you're going to mark it with a pen or pressing a button, that you don't just say, well, I've always been part of this political party. Guess I just click that again. You stop and say, Jesus, you have it all. So what are you saying? God, how do I listen to you? How do I build your kingdom? How do I reflect you? How do I represent you, God? How do I do that as a follower of you, God? How do I honor you in this moment and vote, God, like you would vote? How do I do that? And you're going to have to wrestle through that. There is not going to be an easy answer from this stage of endorse this candidate, endorse this candidate. No, you're going to wrestle through what you've read in Scripture and what you've heard in listening to the voice of Jesus, and you're going to vote according to what Christ says in your life. And can I tell you this, as much as you may disagree or think differently, there are going to be some of you that vote for one presidential candidate because you've honestly prayed and wrestled through that and said, God, I think this is how I represent you and I think this is how I reflect you. And one or two ballots over, there's going to be another follower of God and they may mark something different, but it's them saying, God, this is how I've listened to your voice, God. This is how I try to reflect you. But it's us saying, God, politics is encompassed in my faith. God, you're in control of that. God, I listen to you. It's not isolated. It's not to the side. I don't just vote because I've always voted this political party. But God, I come and I approach this and say, God, you're in control. How would you have me honor you in this way, God? What's this part of the conversation? And it means, once again, that we're listening to other people. We're talking to other people about this, right? Because this is part of our faith. It's part of the conversation that we're having, which leads me to this next thought that I want to give you. And it's this right here. There's a number of scriptures, and I don't have time to walk through them all, but I want to encourage you to write them down. Isaiah 117, 
Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, Jeremiah 22, 1. And we can leave that up for a moment. You guys can write those down. Each of these verses, and I want you to hear this, challenges us as people of God. Listen to this. This is how we engage in politics. This is part of our calling as we look at how we build community and how we interact and how we take care of people. We are called to seek justice. So you as a follower of Christ, you are called to seek justice. I would say that we can't totally ignore the government or the political system and say, well, let them all burn and destroy themselves and I'll kind of be over here in our Christian bubble. No, you are called to seek justice as a follower of Christ. You are called to speak on behalf of the oppressed and those that are hurting. You are called to meet the needs of those that are in poverty and that are poor. You are called to take care of them, not as part of a political party, as part of follower of Jesus. That's what you're called to do. That's what I'm called to do. Now, I do not want to belittle political lines and say, well, it's all just the same. No, we see getting there very differently, don't we? Some of us think, well, we should take this course of action to to free the oppressed. And others would say, no, we need to take this course of action to free the oppressed. But one thing we can agree on is the oppressed need to be freed. People's basic needs need to be taken care of, mental and physical health, and they need to be to be cared for, know that there's a loving community around them. Now we see getting there very differently. And so I'm not just trying to blur the lines and say there shouldn't be a political. No, we see that differently, but we can have a conversation, can't we? Hey, how do you see getting there then? Like these are things that we all agree on. And once again, politics tends to be so dividing, but maybe if we would stop talking so much and we would start to listen, we would hear something different. Hey, help me understand, why do you see it like that? Why is that passion there? And so here's the next thing I want you to realize. I vote like Jesus when I realize that we are called to unite and not divide people. There are things that we agree on, you guys. Yes, even as different parties, even as Democrat or Republican or this president or this president, there are things that we can say, hey, we agree on. We may see getting there differently, but there are some uniting factors in our life. And we need to realize that. We need to understand that that there are things that unite us. There are things that we see similar. You're not evil and I'm not evil because we may see things different politically. We have this same heart of saying, God, there's some things that you've called us to do as people. And we need to dialogue. We need to discuss. We need to have conversations of, well, how do we get to that end? Not how do I get you to vote like me or how do you get me to vote like you? But how do we get to that united end? That's why Jesus says in John chapter 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. That in the midst of a cultural war, in the midst of political differences, we could still say, hey, I love you. We may see that differently, but it does not diminish the love that I have in my heart for you. And I want to hear what you're saying as well as I want you to hear what it is that I'm saying and what it is that I'm seeing. See, we have to understand that, that we're not called to divide people. We're called to unite people. That's why this crazy thing, look around this room right here, that's why this works. See, in this room, we have people from different cultural and racial backgrounds. We have people that live in different cities, that make different amounts and salaries and paychecks, that drive different cars, that have different jobs. And yet we can come into a room and say, hey, we're in this together. We're community. And if you have a need, let me know. And I want to help out. And if I can take care of you, if you can take care of me, that's what we want to do. It works, you guys. Why? 
Because we're not just united around paychecks or jobs or where we live. We're united around Christ. There's something bigger going on here. And Jesus has called us, hey, I'm calling you to be a part of my kingdom. I'm calling you to reconcile all things unto me, not unto Washington, but unto God. He's saying, hey, bring it all back to me. Make the focus me. And we're trying to divide each other and separate each other. And God's saying, I'm wanting to bring you together. And that's the picture that the church should be. How do we stand out in the midst of a culture war? We just be the church of Jesus Christ. We love each other. We honor each other. We respect one another. Even though we may have differing opinions, we're not trying to divide each other. We're trying to unite one another and look at what God is doing and the kingdom that he is building. I love this image that we see of this in the Bible. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, it says this. Joshua is leading the people out of the desert into the promised land. Moses has passed away, and he's getting ready. He's on the outskirts of Jericho, this first city. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua cries out and says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he says, no, I'm not. I'm commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. And Joshua fell on the earth, and he worshiped. I love that response. Jesus, are you Democrat or are you Republican? No, I'm not. I'm for the kingdom of God. This is who I'm standing with, is the armies of the Lord. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's what God is doing. And we need to realize that we're not just trapped into these political parties, you guys, but we actually serve a different king. And we realize salvation comes from a different place. We honor God in that way. We realize there's something bigger in the kingdom of God. And so, yes, we may disagree and see this thing differently politically, but we're united in Christ. We're still brothers and sisters. We still love one another. And let me give you this example. Jesus dealt with this very same thing. And you're like, come on, did he? Republican, Democrat, like that was something back then? No, it looked different, but it was the exact same thing. He had 12 young men most likely somewhere from the age of maybe 15 to early 20s, maybe right in there, 12 young men. A lot of different guys. I know sometimes we think they were all fishermen. They weren't. One of them was a tax collector. His name was Matthew, or sometimes he's called Levi, right? He's a tax collector. Understand what that means. He works for the Roman government. He is going to his own people, the Jewish people, and he's saying, pay taxes to Rome. This is the nation that had oppressed them, that had killed them, that had made war against them, that was hurting them. And he was saying, you still got to pay taxes to Rome. This was his job. And right next to Matthew is Simon the Zealot. Not Simon Peter, who we hear a lot about, but Simon the Zealot. Do you know what a zealot was? They were the militia of the Jewish people. They would ambush Roman soldiers when they were walking through different roads. They were trying to overthrow Rome. They took up swords and bows and arrows and spears and everything. They were hoarding weapons to overthrow Rome because they thought, God, what you're doing is to somehow release us from this oppression of Rome. And so this is how I do that. Are you for Rome or are you against? And the disciples, they're in this thing together. And I have to imagine there were some heated discussions around the campfire. And yet they're walking side by side doing miracles, healing the sick, preaching the kingdom of God, praying for one another, encouraging one another. How do they do that? Because they're not just trapped in their political parties. And they're saying there's something bigger than this. There's the kingdom of God. And yeah, we may see this thing kind of politically playing out different, but we're still united. We're still in this thing together. 
We're still family. We're still discipling one another. We're still growing together. I'm telling you, this thing works because we see Jesus demonstrate this. He's in the midst of a political culture war, and yet in the midst of it, he still continues to point to the kingdom of God. And he says, you can see it one way and you can see it the other. And it's okay because we're united by something different that's bigger than us. And so as you have these conversations, find unity. Don't just look for all the dividing points. Those are so easy. Find unity. Hey, what are things that we do see the same? How do you see that? Let me give you one more idea that we see here. And it's this. I vote like Jesus when I realize God is in control. I vote like Jesus when I realize God is in control. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, there are a lot of different reasons why God does what he does that I do not understand, you guys. That I'm like, seriously? That's what you're going to do? But God sees a different picture than I do, doesn't he? And he's the one that's in control. And he knows what's going on. And so can I tell you, in this room, if we were all to gather together and kind of voice what we think, someone this November is going to come out with the person you chose is not the person in office. And you have to realize God's in control. And some of you, at that point in November, you may be a little bit happier because, yes, I can leave that bumper sticker on that I put on my car because that person's in office or something. But can I tell you, that's not who's in control. It's not. We believe that God is in control. And even though he doesn't see this exactly like I do or like any of us does, he sees a bigger picture. I trust in him. And I know my salvation will never come from Washington. And there's not some new law that's going to come out with some new person or some person continuing on that's all of a sudden going to right all the wrong and make evil disappear. That's not the way it's going to work. It's God's kingdom that we're trying to establish here on earth. It's God's work that we're trying to see come to pass. It's people's hearts and mind being reconciled to God and not to some political party. I trust that God is in control. And so even when it doesn't go my way, or even if it does go my way, my faith and my ultimate hope is not in that person. It's not in Congress. It's not in Senate. It's not thinking, oh, they're going to figure it all out. It's knowing, God, you've got a bigger plan that you're working on. God, you've got something you're doing. And so my hope and my trust is in you, Lord. It's not in my political party, but it's in you, God, and what you're wanting to do. And I love this quote by a very famous author who lived in the early 1900s. It says this. His name was Malcolm Muggridge. And he's talking about how we as followers of Christ see this. And he says, whereas we as believers, we acknowledge a king men did not crown and they cannot dethrone because we are citizens of a city of God that they did not build and that they cannot destroy. And he says in that quote, we don't have hopes of government somehow alleviating all of it. We don't have fears of the government bringing it all down and destroying it all because we have a king that men and women did not elect and that they can't dethrone. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God, which wasn't built by human hands and can't be destroyed by human hands. We as followers of Christ see this thing 
differently. That's how we're called to respond. And so can I challenge you this morning of whatever your political views are, your faith better encompass all of those. That you've said, God, I give all of this to you and I'm wrestling through this. I'm listening to your voice, God. I'm trying to reflect you in the way that I vote and the way that I talk about this and even the way that I honor our government and our authorities, whether I like them or whether I don't like them. God, I want to honor you. God, I want to be a person that's united and that not only sees the differences, but I have conversations about things that we see the same. And God, help me to trust you and to know that you're in control. Even when things go my way or when things don't go my way, God, I trust you. And I think that's how Jesus engaged in politics. I think that's how we're called as a church to engage in this cultural war, to probably listen a little bit more than we talk, to find those points of unity and to have faith in God. And so I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask if you would maybe take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be here and maybe it's not just a political thing. Maybe it's a personal thing of saying, God doesn't have control of my life. I know you're talking about he's in control of the whole world, but, but I don't feel like that in my own life. Maybe you've been trying to do this on your own. And the Bible says that we've all messed up. We've all missed God's plan and God's purpose for our life. And we can't fix ourselves on our own. You can't do enough good or, or even try to come to church enough to win God's love and his favor. But the beautiful news of the Bible is you don't have to that God paid that price. He gave his life on the cross. And although we can't fix ourselves, Jesus took our place and sacrificed himself so that we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, that's me, man, I want that fresh start. I want God to have control of my life. I want to surrender my life to him and find out his plan. I want to pray for you. And whether you're in this room or watching online, want to ask if you would join with me in saying this prayer out loud. could be praying it for the first time or maybe you've said it before, but let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you and I realize I've sinned and I've missed your purpose for my life. And I pray for a brand new start. Forgive me of my sin. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start and take control of me, I pray in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate? Because the Bible says that heaven rejoices if even one person prayed that prayer. And if you did, we're believing that, that God gave you a brand new start, that God's working in your life, whether you're praying that for the first time or whether you're recommitting your life to Christ. And there's two more quick ways I want us to respond this morning. And, and this is what we're going to do. The first is this, is we want to give you a conversation starter, okay? We want to give you something to start a conversation this morning um, and this week as you go into your work week. And so we have a conversation sticker for you. It looks like this. You're going to see that right there on the screens there. Um, can we put that up, that sticker that we have there? Yep, right there, okay? And it says, we love, fill in the blank, at NCC, okay? And it's got our church website. And what we want to encourage you to do is if you're brave enough this week, put that on your shirt, put that on a water bottle, put that somewhere and start a conversation. Ask someone else what they think, okay? Be 
be quick to listen and slow to speak, okay? Don't just jump in with your opinion, but actually listen of how they see that. Maybe different than yours, but how they view that. And so we want to give you this piece to start a conversation. And let's begin to talk about this. And let's be people of unity. Let's be people of peace. Let's look for those ways that we are united on even some of these difficult topics. So as you leave this morning, if you're here in person, we're going to hand you one of those. want to encourage you. Um, you can use that this week to start a conversation. The second way is I want to pray over us. And I'm going to lead us, but unlike what we just did a moment ago, I'm going to ask you not to repeat after me. And just in your own words, you don't have to say anything special. There's no magic words. Would you take a moment and just ask God, Lord, help me to apply this message this week. It may be listening a little bit more. It may be being a little bit more united because I've struggled with being divisive. God, it may be just trusting you that you're in control even when it looks different than I thought it would. And so we're going to pray once again. I'm going to lead out, but just in your own words, let's ask God to help us to be the church that he's called us to be, even in the midst of these culture wars. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, God. And I'm so thankful that you don't shy away from these conversations that are even difficult for us. But Jesus, we see you engaging. We see you shifting hearts, Lord, and showing people a different perspective. Help us to live that way. Help us to see this from your kingdom perspective, God, and that you're in control, God, and where our faith needs to grow, let our faith grow, God, where we need to be a little bit quicker to listen and slow to speak, God, help us to be that. Lord, help us to be people of unity while everyone's trying to divide us, God. Help us to acknowledge your goodness, God, and your peace in the midst of all of this, God. We want to be a reflection of your kingdom, and we want to bring light into this dark world, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that message was challenging and encouraging for you. Um, This week, as you go throughout your week, have conversations that unify one another around political views. Listen to others that maybe see things different than you do. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.